So last week, when we talked about this moral shame and dread, someone asked about how uh, seems to be quite negative. Yeah, the feeling is like ah, uh, to that. Hey, how come shame is a is a wholesome quality? Yeah, how come uh, moral dread is a wholesome quality? Yeah, it's, it may feel like something quite confusing. Yeah. Usually we think of shame as uh, you have done something bad, then you should be shameful. So when you feel shame, it cannot be good. Huh? Yeah. But here, <coughs> so the interesting thing is, when we find someone feeling shameful, we tend to think about the wrong thing that was done and just get stuck there. Here is focusing on how um, feeling shameful about something wrong being done is a wholesome quality. Why? Because it prevents or it um, uh, it discourages us from doing it. Yeah. So last week I highlighted about how uh, this is focused more on before doing it, yeah, the stage before doing something. To have that moral shame, yeah, such that it will prevent you from doing the wrongful act. Now, even if uh, we have done something, yeah, being unenlightened, uh, have you all uh, done anything wrong in your life? Say yes. Okay, good. Yeah, all in the same boat, huh? <laughs> uh, as long as we are in samsara. Uh, no need to laugh at anyone, yeah. Uh, unless, unless you are a bodhisattva. But if you are bodhisattva, you won't laugh at anyone also. So, no one should be laughing at anybody. Yeah. In fact, instead, we should have compassion. Yeah. Compassion for others who do wrong. Yeah. Granted, uh, someone once commented uh, about Dalai Lama, saying that it is un. It's hard to understand how he can have forgiveness. Yeah, uh, how 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 does one have forgiveness? You know, in his situation. Yeah, but to see your own people, you know, killed and driven out of your own country or your own state, for that matter. Yeah, the same goes for the, those Vietnamese monks uh, back then when they fled to Vietnam. And throughout history, yeah. So not so easy, yeah, not so easy for us to still have, still feel that way. Uh, but we should try. Uh, we should try. So um, then, how about for ourselves? When we do something not so good, not so right, yeah. So having this um, uh, shame is not meant to be a sinner mentality. Yeah. Why? Because. Uh, we don't say that we are inherently uh, evil or unwholesome. Yeah. Uh, when there are conditions and we succumb to it, yeah, yes, we do stupid things. Yeah. Even, uh, even doing wrong is dependent on conditions. It's dependent arising and it's empty in nature. In all the various uh, repentance puja in uh, the Mahayana Buddhism, uh, the highest form of repentance ultimately is to contemplate 
and see how uh, wrongdoing is also dependent arising and empty in nature. One Zui Sing Kong. To observe, to contemplate, and to see that wrongdoing itself is also empty in nature. When we say, when if you just listen to the Chinese words, Guan Sing Kong, then some people may think, oh, wrongdoing is empty, it's void. No wrongdoing. <laughs> uh, that is wrong. Huh? Uh, that is a wrong understanding of emptiness. Yeah. In Buddhism, when we say uh, to contemplate and to observe and see that wrongdoing is also empty in nature, uh, it's very liberating. Yeah. It frees us, it is pointing to the a, a path, pointing to, out to us that because it is empty in nature, you don't have to keep doing the same foolish thing. <laughs> because it's empty in nature, you don't have an excuse for repeating. <laughs> Number two, you don't have to keep blaming yourself for doing it. Just make sure you don't do it again. Uh, so it frees us from all these negative baggages. Yeah? Otherwise, which we become uh, that, that sinner mentality. Yeah? Holds you down. You feel miserable about yourself and then it, it incapac- incapacitates you. Yeah? Immobilizes you. You're not able to progress. So in Buddhism, we focus on the potential yeah, to do good. To recognize that when we did wrong, it was due to conditions as well. We are not uh, uh, 100% to be blamed. We are not 100% absolved as well. Yeah? Because we, we did do something. Yeah? Uh, so these are the two extremes. Either we are 100% sinner, evil and horrible, or we are totally pure. Nothing to do with us. Oh, it's because of evil in the society that led me astray. Or oh, it's because of some supreme evil being out there, yeah, called the devil or whatever, uh, co- confusing me, not my fault. No, Buddhism don't say that. In Buddhism, we say, yeah, there are conditions, yeah, external conditions and internal defilements. And then you're, cu- you're that present state of mind. Yeah? We are not totally absolved of responsibility, but we don't say that you are 100% to be blamed also. Uh, so, or, or that you are stuck in that sinner state. Uh, no. uh, so take note of this. When you reflect on this, <coughs> and you uh, do the practice, Take note of it. So, when we, uh, as we learn all these different uh, wholesome mental qualities, uh, or mental concomitants, it's also good to uh, take a step back and to consider how to cultivate them. Yeah, what are the supporting conditions and so on. Yeah. So, in the case of these two, 
such as the uh, moral shame and dread. Uh, as I mentioned last week, there are uh, many individuals who have this mindset. Oh, uh, as long as I don't do evil or uh, my heart is good, that's good enough. Uh, so this is where uh, sometimes people can be blindsided. Uh, because everybody's idea of a good heart uh, is not necessarily the same number one number two may not be correct yeah so as we proceed from here uh, what is what is wholesome and what is unwholesome as we go through it it helps us to have a clear ruler a clear barometer so that when we uh, assess our own mental states we have a clearer picture and not just on social norms or not just because your friend praise you wow, eh, all the while you are so nice to me yeah? but there are many ways that people can praise you for that isn't it yeah? let's say uh, you are always late for work and then you are the supervisor yeah? uh, not, not that you are late for work your, your staff is always late for work then you cover up for your, for your staff then the staff will say wow hey boss you are very good <laughs> you are a good person kind hearted yeah then if we believe in that most people believe in that isn't it yeah you ask around when people say that oh that person is good hearted usually it means that the person is very how do I put it very lax uh, then people say oh very good hearted very kind but if the boss is like uh, very strict on things, then people say, see paising me, see So our idea, our social idea of good-hearted and bad-hearted cannot be used as a measurement. Yeah. And so as we as we consider these two wholesome mental concomitants, we must know that the wrongdoing that is mentioned here uh, is not based on worthy standards. Yeah. Oh. <coughs> so uh, the next three the next three are very interesting they are they come as a set uh, they come as a set uh, so kind of this is the three characters I want you to learn Wu Tan Wu Chen Wu Chi so this is these three are the opposites of the uh, three roots of evil the three uh, defilements. Yeah. What are the three roots of evil? The three uh, root defilement. They are greed, hatred, and delusion. Yeah. So this is non-greed, non-hatred, non-delusion. Utan, utan, So the one that is written here, Panaf, is the simplified script yeah so I want to I want you to remember a different script how can you if you are going to learn how can you learn the simplified script don't waste your time okay so you should learn this
Ombudsman. Is, I write the honey pin, uh, then you can read, <coughs> you can pronounce it. Wu, 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 Tan, Chen, 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 Chi. Chen 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 Chen. Let me double check. Ah, Chen. The honey ping. Okay. So this one is Chen. So this is greed, hatred, and delusion. There are hundred dhammas. There are a lot of things to remember. But if you cannot remember everything, you just remember these three. Don't remember them to cultivate them. Ah, remember not to cultivate them. Yeah, if you can remove these three things, uh, then you don't have to worry about the rest. First one, Wu Tan, non greed. Yeah, non greed. Yu Yo Yo Ju, Wu Zhao Wei Xing, Dui Zhi Tan Zhao, Zuo San Wei Ye. So this is the opening verse. With respect to uh, this Yo, yeah, this character, this is uh, translated as sometimes translated as existence uh, and also as becoming so this existence is referring to the different states of existence the three spheres of existence so uh, then yoji it means the support the support of this existence 
Yeah, that means the cause of the existence. How? What leads to the existence? Yeah, let's take a look. Yosu Sanyo, yeah, the three kinds of existence, the three spheres. So uh, also known as the three fruits. Uh, or not three fruits, Sanjie, the three spheres. Uh, so the three spheres of existence. So uh, sensual sphere of sensual desire, sphere of form, yeah, sphere of formless existence. Yeah, the three spheres. And of course, you know that the form and formless refers to the higher heavenly states where the beings exist in a, in a state of concentration. Yeah? So the form would refer to the form jhana uh, states of existence. Then the formless would be the formless concentration existence. Yeah? So... <coughs> Uh, these three these three spheres uh, uh, are not named in this way uh, because the the beings that exist arise and exist in these states. Uh, the way I describe it is quite funny. They are preoccupied accordingly. So uh, beings who arise and exist in the formless realm, they are preoccupied with formless uh, formless states yeah so for example to be reborn in the formless uh, sphere you cultivate a uh, base of uh, base of base, base of uh, infinite space then base of infinite consciousness base of nothingness then base of neither perception or non-perception yeah all of which are immaterial. Yeah. And by focusing the mind in this way for a long time until it becomes very stable, and if they can pass away, and before they pass away, they enter into this jhana, and then they pass away in this way, not jhana, concentration, and then they pass away, uh, their mind just continue in that state. Yeah. And they are reborn in that uh, formless concentration. Yeah. Because their mind is always connected with these states, always preoccupied in that state. For those who are in the form uh, sphere, similarly, they must have attained form sphere uh, jhana, form jhana. So first jhana, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana, one of the jhana. And before passing away, they must enter into that jhana and then maintain that mind in that stability. And upon dying, ah, they can be born in that state. So how about uh, sensual desire realm? <laughs> the same. Yeah. Our, in, our, in the previous life, uh, the, when the seed was planted, wow, preoccupied with sensual pleasure. Uh, preoccupied, preoccupied. Then, at this point of uh, rebirth, uh, the mind is preoccupied with sensual pleasure. So, get reborn in the sensual pleasure realm uh, or sphere. Uh, but sensual pleasure sphere covers the six different realms. Uh, so then, what determines that? Your merit determines it. Yeah. If your merit is poor or you have done horrible things, even as you are 
uh, if you seek sensual pleasure, uh, just because you are preoccupied with it doesn't mean you get it. Huh? <laughs> it just means that you want it. Yeah, but sometimes when you want it too much, then what happens? You, you go and do, we, a person may go and do evil and wholesome deeds. Yeah. So the mind connecting to those sensual desires then lead them to have done horrible things. Then after that, they forget. But just before they pass away, they again crave for the sensual desire. And then that seed ripen, and then they go to lower realms. Yeah. Uh, but maybe it's lower realms, three lower realms, hell, hell uh, animal, or hungry ghost. Or maybe in, in between while pursuing sensual pleasure, uh, also do some wholesome deeds. Yeah. Uh, so can get reborn as a human being. Without wrong views, can still be reborn. Uh, not at the point of rebirth, yeah, at least not too strong. Or maybe the person uh, observed precepts, yeah, uh, did awesome deeds, then can be reborn in the heavenly realms. Then depending on how how refined or or, or good the, the the deeds are, then reborn in the different states. But oh, the heavenly realm are within the sensual desire realm. Yeah, so. Mm. So these are the three different spheres. Yeah. So this these are the uh, the fruits. Mm. These are the fruits of past karma. And these fruits are considered with flow. Yeah, with flow. Yeah, with flow meaning that uh, it will flow out, uh, it means that it will lead to suffering. <laughs> will lead to defilements. Yeah. What are the three outflow uh, described? It's called asaba. Yeah. The three flows are uh, sensual desire, existence, and ignorance. Yeah. The three kinds of outflows yeah, from which give rise to all kinds of defilements and then from there, suffering. <coughs> so, yoji is so the the term yoji supporting uh, uh, existence is basically uh, those those conditions that support the uh, the arising yeah arising in the three spheres yeah so if you are, just now I actually mentioned all the different conditions really yeah so those are the costs. Yeah. The cause of existence into the three spheres. Whether it's uh, what do you call that? The sensual desire realm, the form or formless. Yeah. So here uh, it goes a, a bit into the specific uh, different factors. Yeah. So what are they? Zhong you ye xing fan nao Yeah. So the first one, Zhong you so this zongyou, uh, in in yoga chara uh, and in some other schools, we call this the yo <coughs> uh, is existence or becoming. So this is the intermediate existence. Why is it called intermediate? Because it is describing after a person died and before a person is born. Yeah, on the way there. Yeah, on the way coming into existence going into existence. So this is the intermediate state. 
Now, in the uh, in most Theravada school, uh, this intermediate state is uh, you can say that is uh, not recognized, <coughs> or you can say that this they they don't have this uh, notion. No. Then in the Mahana schools, yeah, Mahana tradition, uh, this is more emphasized. In Tibetan tradition, or Lagibas, yeah, in the book of Bado, yeah, then they describe the seven weeks. Yeah, every week you see different colors. Every day different colors. What must you do? How must you direct your mind and so on? Yeah. So uh, this Zhongyou, the intermediate state, is basically referring to how uh, a being after dying. Uh, would go towards the next rebirth. If there's no this process of going to the next rebirth, then the rebirth cannot take place. Yeah, over here is specifically talking about this. Yeah, but at the same time, uh, for a being to want to go and take rebirth, yeah, as long as we are not enlightened, we crave for existence. That's why we want to take existence. Yeah, we so we want to go for the the, the next existence want to go and take rebirth. But uh, depend on karma. Ye sing karma. So dependent on the karma that was planted, yeah, uh, the karmic seed that was planted, then it determines where you're going to go. Uh, you want to go, but see where you can go. Yeah. Now karma here <coughs> will include what I described earlier. Uh, whether your your actions, your merits uh, support your rebirth to a certain place, or uh, the mental states, yeah, uh, the kind of mental states that you have planted, yeah, which is also karma. Uh, you cultivate, you meditate, uh, you get first jhana, uh, second jhana, third jhana, fourth jhana. You get the four uh, bases of infinite, uh, formless states. Uh, those are also karmic imprints. So according to the one that uh, is planted and ripened, ah, then that supports your rebirth. And then eventual arising and birth in the three spheres. Yeah. But the last one, defilements. Ah, this is the this is the selection. Yeah. So previously I mentioned about the library example, remember? Huh? Library, did I mention in this class? Huh? Eh? Should be in this class. This one Yugashara class, ma. This one is Yugashara class, right? Yeah, Yugashara class. Huh? I never mentioned about library books before. I have, right? In this class, right? Uh. <laughs> well, I must, I must mention the whole thing. Library books, borrow different books. Uh, then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I just mentioned part. Eh? No. <laughs> yeah. So when we, when we. Uh, uh, do different actions, the karma, then it's like writing different books and then put inside the, the library. We put, 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 put. Uh, wholesome books, we put unwholesome books, we put neither wholesome or unwholesome books, we put dharma books inside, we put worldly books inside, we put all kinds of books inside. When we meditate, we also put, write some books and put inside. Uh, but then, as we live through our life, we put a lot of books then some books become uh, more prominent. Yeah? 
some of the books become, uh, you know, when you go to National Library, they have a, a hotspot. <laughs> then they have a, this week's recommended list. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, in a similar way, the kind of mental states that we keep on entertaining, yeah, we keep on allowing ourselves to uh, immerse in, in uh, then in our mind, in our alaya consciousness, there is a special shelf. <laughs> All our readily accessible books are there. Yeah. So every day, if you get angry, uh, all the angry books are there. <laughs> Maybe once in a while you are not angry, then only one small flyer is there, <laughs> yeah, of happy flyer. Yeah. So if we if we start to try to cultivate and be less angry, initially you find that oh, it's very difficult. Why? Because every time you go, once you enter the library, oh, you immediately see all the angry books. Well, you must search high and low to look, find the happy books. You must search high and low for the pay, book of patience. But if you use the book often, ah, then the book become available on the first shelf, on the table for you to have easy access. You know, ah, until the point where you are about to take rebirth. Ah, then the one that you are always using, according to your defilements, yeah, because it is describing unenlightened beings. Then according to your defilements, although we, uh, we still have defilements, but according to our stronger or weaker defilements, uh, we go and get different books. So according, accordingly, all this together then results in our rebirth in either sensual desire existence, form existence, or formless existence. Yeah, so this is the process. Yeah, so, <coughs> so together... The, the process of going into rebirth, the karma and the defilements, they form the support for existence. Yeah. If, you <coughs> if you break this chain, uh, then existence comes to an end. And so when you think about arahants, uh, this is why. Because arahants take up defilements. Yeah. And arahants, with, without uh, the, the delusion of uh, about this, this world, no longer have a longing and craving for existence. No longer, after dying, oh, rest on. So no further becoming. Yeah. And then, uh, although in the past have already planted karma, but the karmic seeds become inactive. Yeah. They are dead, but no longer functioning. Why? Because karmic seeds require defilements to activate. Ah, this is the good news. Uh, this is the good news. Although we say that, oh, since beginningless time, we have, uh, maybe we have done a lot of, uh, some good, some bad, we are very scared. And uh, for Buddhists, well, the more we learn the scary, the more frightened we are. Yeah? Uh, but if we learn this part, then we realize, hey, not so scary. Yeah? Not so scary. The fact that we are reborn as a human being, it means that in the in the immediate past life, we managed to activate the correct books. All we have to do is do the same thing again. Yeah, not the stupid things. Yeah, not the foolish things. Yeah, not the, you know, your friend asks you to go, then you go. Ah, but you must use your wisdom. Yeah, don't follow your deformance. Don't follow your emotions. Yeah. Uh, most of the time, our emotions, I, I have 
no idea how to tell you. I've met so many people follow their emotions. Yeah. <laughs> but cannot be helped. I, I, I mean, uh, after meeting so many people and talking to so many people, I can understand how most people, uh, you see someone cry, then, ah, yeah, you feel bad, you know? Yeah. But uh, then if someone tells you something oh, very nicely, very nice, then we are so touched, ah, yeah. Then you feel like, oh, we have to do it, you know? But if someone tells us in a very, very uh, curt way or very plain way, then we feel, we, we maybe we don't feel happy, you know? But maybe a part of us knows that hey, that's, that's the right thing, you know. Yeah. So, uh, our wisdom tells us, hey, hey, that's a good advice, you know, must follow that. But then our emotions, hey, but the way it's said to me, huh? wow, don't give me face. <laughs> oh, I'm so upset. Okay, then, yeah. so, if we can manage our emotions, not to ignore your emotions, okay? Yeah. Emotions is part of our existence currently. Yeah. Uh, but to learn, to learn how to uh, relate to our emotions in a more uh, fruitful and meaningful way. Yeah, fruitful and meaningful way. It's just like the sun and the rain. That is part of the whole ecosystem, the part of our existence. We cannot say, I don't want the sun. We cannot say, I don't want the rain. But when it rains, you don't need to go and walk out in the rain. Ma. When there's a hot sun, it doesn't mean that you must go and walk in the hot sun. Ma. Correct? Yeah. But then, the sun, you know, is what keeps us alive, you know. If you take out the sun, besides the fact that, you know, astrophysicists will tell you that you cannot suddenly take away the sun. Yeah, because for you to suddenly remove the sun, it means that... Uh, there's an infinite amount of energy that is being destroyed. By uh, late second law of thermodynamics. <laughs> so to remove it within a short time requires dispersion of a huge amount of energy. But besides that, imagine if now the sun don't rise throughout the whole world for some reason, okay? Maybe one asteroid or one block the sun, okay? And then somehow in geostationary Joe, Joe orbit, yeah? What will happen? Within a few days, all crops will start to go crazy. Temperature will plunge. Yeah. The whole world will go into... The whole earth will become a ice ball. <laughs> Just within a few days, become an ice ball. So you cannot have... You cannot say you don't want the sun. But it doesn't mean that you must keep on standing out in the sun and complain. So our emotions, when when we interact with people, when a- anything happens, anything that we encounter, check yourself. Yeah, what kind of emotions is rising? We should know as well. Yeah, just like when you meditate, there's pain. You should know. You don't want pain. Anyone of you want pain when you meditate? Nobody wants. But it when there are conditions, it happens. Yeah, but does it mean that you must? Go and look for pain. Of course, some meditators, senior meditators, say, "Oh, pain is good." Yeah, it, it can help some people also. But when there's pain, then you go and observe it. 
but it doesn't mean that you must allow yourself to have pain when take a knife and stab yourself. Yeah. Similarly, when there are negative emotions, yeah, when there are emotions that is actually harmful, we should know it as harmful. Yeah. Otherwise, if you keep following, ah, uh, So here. 对于三游国和有趣变之生死过失变之生死过失因而生起厌患不生贪着就是无贪<咳> This part requires a bit of explanation So far we have talked about the three spheres of existence We talk about the support for the existence So here but here it's talking about non-greed. Yeah. How is it related? So, yeah. so we respect to the, the three, three spheres of existence yeah. and the supporting uh, conditions, yeah, which is the, the, the three things here. Yeah. The intermediate existence, uh, the karmic uh, actions, yeah, and the defilements. Yeah. 不是, uh, with respect to all this existence to know thoroughly know thoroughly what the faults and danger of birth and death to know thoroughly the faults and danger of birth and death Do you have the text? Ah, okay. I see. Is there anyone who else who don't have the book? All of you have the book? Have uh, Okay. Just, yeah. Okay. Can you see? A bit smaller. Is this better? Okay. Yes, you have a. Uh. Oh, you can see. Then you all, then you all can sit together, la. Uh. Oh, you gone through you. Oh, okay. <laughs> then maybe you all sit together. So anyway, you all decide, uh. You are grown adults. So, <laughs> so, uh. How do we reflect on the... Uh, let me just go through the meaning first, then after we go into how to do it. Uh. So, to... Uh, supposed to know uh, thoroughly the force and danger of birth and death. Mm. Why? Because if you... Uh, if you are able to know the force and danger, uh, then you will not crave for existence. Yeah. So, uh, so here when we talk about non-greed, oh, the non-greed is higher than what we usually think of. We usually think of, oh, don't be so greedy when you go for buffet. <laughs> yeah, oh, that is non-greed. Uh, that is also non-greed, but this non-greed is t- talking in a way very generally, but very uh, broadly. Uh, it covers the very support of our existence. Yeah, that is the highest form of non-greed. Yeah. 
Here it's not talking about, oh, don't be greedy for iPhone 7. <laughs> Here it's talking about, don't even crave for existence. Uh, so it's way higher than that. Yeah, way higher than that. It encompasses all, everything inside existence. Yeah. <coughs> then if you can do that, then, in a sense, yan huan, if you can do that, then if you can know the thoughts and danger, then towards existence, you would give rise to yen huan, revulsion. Yeah, revulsion towards existence. Pusen tan zao, then you will not give rise to uh, greed and attachment towards towards uh, this all this existence, samsari existence. Uh, this is non-greed. In other words, what is non-greed defined here? It is uh, really looking at existence itself. Yeah. Not just specific uh, example here and there. Yeah. Why is this the case? Because today maybe you can overcome greed for iPhone 7. Then one day you pass away. Then next life, you you encounter something else, then are you are you going to greet for, have greed for that maybe, yeah, uh, maybe. Here is talking about existence itself, cutting directly into the very roots of our cyclical samsaric existence. Is for most people we think ah we shouldn't crave for luxury luxurious life, yeah. Ah, let's live a simple life. Don't crave for big bungalow house. Don't crave for more than what you have, and so on. That is also that's good for a start. That's very crucial for a start. Yeah, but as long as you are still in samsara, that's that this this existence itself, samsaric existence, is dissatisfying. Yeah, it's dissatisfactory. <coughs> Yeah, it's dissatisfactory. Yeah. Uh, so, if we can do more reflection on that, uh, then we can cultivate this uh, wholesome mental concomitant. So, Yu Yu Wu Tan, Si Xing Bu Qi, so Nan Zuo San Ye. Yeah, so <coughs> uh, once you can truly reach this state of non-greed, yeah, non-greed, non-desire, then all the different... Uh, oh, sorry. Erxing, oh, Erxing, sorry, read wrongly. Erxing, Busi. Then all the unho- evil, unwholesome acts will not arise. Yeah. So, then that's why it's called wholesome. Wholesome actions. <coughs> of course, if I if we say that, okay, we finish, we we cover this. So I we expect all of you to go towards non-existence. I think next week there's no more nobody else coming from class. Huh? I have to tell Bhante Dhammaratana uh, the Wednesday class has also come to non-existence. <laughs> yeah. So in our daily life, uh, for a start, uh, the same principle can be applied. Mm. So 
In many classes, I've mentioned about doing this reflection on the thoughts and danger. Whatever you craved, you are craving for, reflect on the thoughts and danger of this craving. Yeah. The limitation of this object. Yeah. You can reflect on this. Uh, it will help you to overcome your craving. Let's say you like chocolate a lot. Uh, so the Buddha's advice is, of course, the Buddha, if you can go and search Pali Canon, the Buddha never talked about chocolate. Uh, but applying the same principle, then the Buddha's advice would be, go and reflect on <coughs> uh, the full extent of the gratification of chocolate. What is the full extent of the gratification of chocolate? When you buy, when you have chocolate, okay, can you just look at the chocolate and be satisfied? Can or not? Just look at chocolate. Cannot. Yeah. If you can, then you just go online and search chocolate. Then you just look at all the images. Yeah. Wow. Very satisfied. No. Can you just listen to chocolate? I don't know how you listen to chocolate. <laughs> Yeah, maybe listen to the rapper of the chocolate or <laughs> how about smell the chocolate? Ah, you can smell. Do all, any of you like to smell chocolate? Maybe none of you like. Yeah, But I think chocolate, does it smell good? Fairly okay. Yeah, but the real lure is what? The taste of chocolate. Uh, so you can go and uh, you, not right now, you can think about what are the limitations of this extent. When you eat chocolate, let's say this is chocolate, and then you eat, mm, you eat the chocolate. So, uh, is there a limit? Is there a limit to the to the chocolate? to the pleasure you can get from the chocolate. Is it pleasure you are getting from the chocolate? Uh, pleasure from the taste, isn't it? Yeah. And the whole texture, the whole process. Yeah. So is there a limit? Meaning that, will, is it possible to just keep on eating chocolate and just keep on feeling good, feeling good, feeling good continuously? Can, can you do that? Cannot. Yeah. Before long, you get diabetes. <laughs> Either that, or you get pimple, <laughs> or you get sore throat. Yeah, I think even before any of that happened, you probably feel. Uh, how many of you like chocolate? Oh, quite a lot, lah. Okay, we should try an experiment. Yeah, we chip in. Each of you give $50, We do a, you know, and then we buy, but we buy good chocolate. We don't buy the crappy chocolate. Yeah, otherwise $100 for a crappy chocolate, buy one on whole pail, you know. Uh, we buy Cadbury. Cadbury, is it good enough? I mean, Cadbury is, you know, uh, what, what? Too sweet. Dark chocolate. Uh, huh? Royce. Uh. Oh. Diver. Huh? Diver. 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 Got, got Diver. Oh, I thought, I always thought it's Godiva. Oh, Godiva. Ah. 
Anyway, I, uh, you see, I don't know anything about chocolate. <laughs> so, got diver or got diva? $100, how much chocolate can you buy? Maybe one small piece. Uh? Half of it, yeah, $100. Uh, in that case, for that chocolate retreat, we need, you all need to pay more. <laughs> uh, we should have a chocolate retreat. Yeah. Then, give you chocolate the whole day. Until you, you experience the limitations of the pleasure from chocolate. <coughs> Actually, the whole point is you don't have to go to that point. It's to reflect and to know that there is a limit. I mean, you just think about it, you should know that there is actually a limit. Huh? Yeah. So, it, the interesting thing is that in the Sutta, the Buddha don't deny that there is pleasure. Don't deny that, that you can get some, some happiness from it also. In many places, the Buddha explicitly, yeah, there's happiness, there's pleasure. But he, he invites us to say, go and examine it properly. Go and see the, the full extent of that gratification. You get gratified. If you don't get gratification, why, why would you pursue it? It's because you get gratification. You feel good. Yeah, so, go and find out what is the full extent of this gratification. In this case, chocolate. How much uh, pleasure, how much satisfaction can you get yeah, from eating chocolate? Yeah. Uh, there's a physical limit because of our senses, actually. Our senses cannot support continual uh, bombardment. If you continually eat without drinking water, uh, imagine one piece of Godiva or Godiva or whatever, <laughs> whichever God, whatever, yeah, Godiva, uh, you keep on eating without drinking water. Wow, just wow, become. So this, and also this is what we do to fool ourselves. <laughs> Precisely. <coughs> but it means that this can only give us limited pleasure. Ah yes, diminishing returns. Which is why the Buddha don't say that you must... Uh, it does, he never go around saying, no, no, give up your... But he says, you must know to how to relate to it properly. If you don't relate to it properly, your pursuit will be in vain, and then you'll be faced with misery. But you must also consider, because there is a limit, so it requires you to put in continuous effort to have that happiness. You have a bit, then you must stop. Then you must wait for it to subside. Then you must, then you can go and spend time, spend money, spend effort to go and pursue again. <coughs> it's not a sustainable, it's not a sustainable source of happiness. 
you know what I mean? Uh, so know the limits of gratification and then uh, go and reflect on the shortcomings in order to have your chocolate uh, frankly uh, I haven't reflect on chocolate before I, I, I don't have any attachment to chocolate <laughs> so shortcoming can you think of some shortcoming of chocolate huh? getting fat uh? Uh, that can be a shortcoming huh? What else? Cost. <coughs> huh? Cost. Cost. Oh, the, the price itself. Huh? Cost of chocolate. Yeah, if you, so don't go for Godiva, Godiva uh, chocolate. Uh. Go for Cadbury. Cadbury, three, four dollars you can get. Yeah. You can get from 7 Eleven. Still quite okay. But even three, four dollars is still money. You, know? you must still go and figure out how to get a three, four dollars. To get the chocolate. I have personally not thought about chocolate, but I thought about computers. Yeah, and I, I maybe the same principle can be applied. <coughs> My reflection many years ago was okay, in order to for, for some people, using the computer is a pain. Uh, it's, like, wow, it's a challenge for them. For me, using a computer is like eating chocolate. <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Whether it's... Uh, and I'm not talking about serving the web. No. Yeah, if you ask me to write, write a web browser, I get more kick from using the web browser. Yeah, I get more kick from writing software. So, one day... Uh, in the early, early in the first year of my monkhood, I actually forced myself to go on a, a sabbatical. Yeah, I refused to touch computers. I think I did it for about seven months or nine months. Yeah, so I went cold turkey. Yeah, no computers. Don't touch computers. Uh, until the monastery decided that they want to set up a website. Then they said, hey, you, you are in the IT field, right? We need you to go and set up a website. So I end up having to touch computers again. So what is the shortcoming? Yeah. So when I thought about it, but computers, no much shortcoming. No much problem, isn't it? Mm. Then one day I, I had this thought. Now, I'm telling you, uh, you all just listen, okay? Uh, but you all don't try to think, eh, but does it apply to chocolate? Maybe it don't apply, okay? I don't care also. <laughs> all I know is that uh, it applied for me to computers. So for me, when I do the, did the reflection, it was very simple. In order to use a computer, I need to have a computer. I need to have electricity and so on and so forth, all, all, all these things. But even more importantly, I need to exist as a human being. To exist as a human being, I need to go through all the tribulations of being a human being. And I have to possibly go through samsara. And when you go through samsara, you're not guaranteed a human rebirth all the time. 
because we are not enlightened yet. This is, to me, uh, the the full implication of the short form. That because if if let's say uh, I, I don't think I'm so attached to it anymore, but let's say uh, Scarly on uh, many years later or don't know how many years later, wow, Sifu on a dying bed, pass me my laptop. I want to. Oh, I haven't finished the code. Wow, then oh, then get reborn as a human being. <laughs> Can you imagine how silly that would be? To to be to go through samsara just over a computer. Now think about it. How about over a chocolate? <laughs> but yet, if you have that craving for chocolate, and if let's say you have no other craving, and that is the one key craving, that itself is enough to get you stuck in samsara. And who knows if your karma, your marriage are not strong enough, you come back as a housefly. <laughs> For computers, hard to come back as a housefly. Maybe housefly then go on the keyboard. <laughs> huh? Sorry. Computer bar. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, that was my own reflection. Yeah. As I said, uh, from my point of view. It will apply to chocolate also, and in fact, that that is the ultimate. It applies to everything, uh, but you have to do your own reflection to see how it applies. Otherwise, it's just my reflection. And that is this is the thing within this whole paragraph, isn't it? <coughs> yeah, because the greatest or the ultimate greed. Is the greed for existence. Yeah. Any kind of greed you have leads to existence. Any kind of greed, any kind of desire, any kind of preoccupation. Yeah. Yeah. So this this text here, the angle is um, uh, to help a person or to point towards liberation. Yeah. Pointing towards liberation. And here, uh, we have not even talked about how if you have worldly desire, it's not just uh, existence that is the, the outcome, you know. Besides existence, sometimes people even do uh, wrong things because of their greed. Because of their greed, uh, people can go and rob, can go and steal, and maybe even kill you know, do all kinds of things yeah, because of greed, because of desire. Mm. Yeah, so this is the first the f- number four. Non-greed. Yeah, non-greed. Uh, <coughs> Next. Wu-chan. Yeah, no hatred or non-hatred. Yu-ku-ku-ji. Uh, yeah, so previously was yo yo ji existence and the support for existence. Here yu ku ku ji wu hui wei xing. So ku uh, ku ku here uh, would mean suffering. Yeah, uh, but you will find that sometimes the word ku actually refers to pain. 
uh, pain, painful feelings. Yeah. So, yu ku ku ju, wu hui wei xing, dui zi chen hui, zuo san wei ye. So, similar to the first, uh, to the previous one, uh, it has the function to do wholesome deeds. Yeah, but this is the counter for uh, for hatred, yeah, and harmfulness. Uh, a word of note: the word "chen." So there are quite a few different ways of writing it. Yeah, uh, and apparently they have some subtle differences. The one that I'm, I'm more most uh, common. I, I see very common in the traditional text is the one with a uh, mu and zhen. Yeah. So this is chen. Oh. So if you look at the the uh, the Chinese text with the traditional script, this is the one that is often often used. Or in the traditional traditional script, then they will write it this way. <coughs> and the meaning is basically uh, uh, hatred. Yeah. So this is the uh, the other defilement: uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. This is the second one. So what is this thing about suffering? Yeah. So suffering here, ku zi san ku, ku ku huai ku, xin ku. So the three kinds of suffering. Okay, three kinds of suffering. Uh, I had, uh, I bring this up many times, uh, but I don't know whether I brought it up in this class before. The three kinds of sufferings. Oh. So the first kind is, if you were to look at the, the words itself, ku ku. Yeah, so that is like suffering of suffering. So um, these three, ku ku, huai ku, xin ku, is actually related to the three kinds of feelings. Yeah, the first kind of feeling in this case is uh, painful feelings. Second is pleasant feelings. The third is neither painful nor pleasant feelings. Yeah, can I have the paper back there? I can use it as a writing. Thank you. So, so the three types of feelings. Painful, pleasant, and neither. Yeah. Neither painful nor pleasant. <coughs> so this is the San Zong So San So. So this is the Ku So. La So. Ku ku pula so. 
prana. Uh, these few characters you should also try to copy it down. <laughs> yeah. So from the first type, yeah. So these three then give rise to three kinds of feeling, uh, three kinds of suffering. So <coughs> suffering of pain, suffering of change or loss, suffering of uh, inconstancy. So, uh, ku uh, ku this is huai ku. This one, yeah, okay, yeah. So, uh, so in other words, so the first type is easy to understand. Yeah, have I explained this before? I think I should have. Uh, yeah. So, any uh, any of you have not heard this before? All of you heard before, right? Yeah. So can you explain? <laughs> Actually, it's quite straightforward, isn't it? Yeah. In brief, the first time is easy. Yeah, even small kids know. Yeah, uh, they have stomach ache, uh, they feel painful, and then they suffer. Yeah, uh, anyone who feel physical pain, uh, you can feel that uh, that suffering due to that. The second one is a bit different. Second one. At the onset, you experience pleasure. Yeah. But when you lose that pleasure, then you feel the loss of that pleasure. Yeah. And due to that loss, you suffer. So by virtue of that, then this is the second kind of suffering. Then the third one is neither pleasant nor uh, neither painful nor pleasant. So this is a third type. And this one, uh, it doesn't give you any of those uh, emotions, strong emotions, yeah, but it is always actually in a state of change. In fact, this uh, state of change occurs here and here also. Yeah, but over here and here, the, these two kinds of suffering is more prominent. Yeah? Whereas over here, these two, for this third type, this two suffering is not present. Yeah. So only this suffering is present. Yeah. 
the suffering of inconstancy. And this inconstancy is actually uh, ubiquitous uh, throughout everything. Everything that is conditional, that is um, uh, fabrication, yeah, uh, is always in a state of change. Yeah? And that change is not dependent on our whims and fancy. It changes due to conditions. So it's uncertain. Uh, this uncertainty of change. So the suffering of this uh, instability, this inconstancy. Yeah. So this is ku ku, huai ku, sing ku. Related to these three feelings is also the three, uh, the, these three, uh, the three de- defilements. Uh, greed, hatred, and delusion. All connected to how we experience this world. Mm. What have I said so far? Yeah, what, what have I said so far? Uh, just to make sure we are on the same page. So if there, there is some actual new negative thing coming into the field of experience, then that will account as pain. If uh, there, there is something uh, which is pleasurable and being taken away, then that accounts as loss. The third kind is neutral. It is uh, dependent on the nature of existence, that things are inconstant. It's no condition to the nature of existence itself. So, First thing is, don't call it neutral. Yeah, I have repeatedly mentioned in many classes. Uh, when we call it neutral, it it, it seems to indicate that we are aware of it. Yeah, for this third kind of feelings, we are usually oblivious of it because it's not enough to draw our attention. It is neither painful nor pleasant. So we are, for the most part because of our lack of mindfulness, we are not aware of its existence as well. That's why the Buddha used the term neither painful nor pleasant. But, uh, why would that cause suffering? Huh? Why would the inconstancy of things which are neither pleasurable nor unpleasant, mm. why would their inconstancy cause suffering? Mm. So, uh, just now I mentioned about how these three give rise to the three defilements. Yeah. The third one give rise to uh, delusion. Yes. Delusion about what? The nature of things. Uh, the fact that it is inconstant. So being deluded about the way it is, in fact we are ignorant about the way it is. Yeah. Ignorant and deluded. Ignorant that is changing. And deluded thinking that it will not change. It seems that way until uh, until it's something that matters. <laughs> this third, uh, for many people, 
we, we, many people don't even think it's minuscule. Until we talk about it, then we think it's minuscule. Before that, we don't even think it exists. <laughs> because we, we don't even know about it. Uh, but as far as our existence is concerned, in fact, it is this third category that gets us into the state of attachment. We get it into the... Uh, it is this, this actually underlies the two. But it, over here, this is more prominent, so it is highlighted. Inconstancy of things. The fact that all things are dependent on conditions. Yeah, is conditioned. Uh, painful feeling is also conditioned. Pleasant feelings is also conditioned. Everything is conditioned. Uh, this underlying state is something that we are oblivious and unaware of. Uh, precisely because we are unaware of it. Uh, in my mind, I'm thinking, I've explained this quite a few times actually. Uh, I'm thinking, should I explain it out to you or should I get you to go and think about it first? <laughs> yeah, because when I explain to you, right, it's my explanation, it's my understanding. Uh, for some people, by hearing the, the explanation, it may help you to shortcut the process. But for most people, when you see that explanation, it will just appear as just an explanation. It is not the answer. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> okay. So how many of you want me to give you the explanation? Two, three, four... Just a few. Huh? Okay, the rest of you plug your ears. Yeah. Sorry? Would like to try. You would like to try? Yes. As in now? Yeah. Okay, try. Can I say uh, for example uh, Singapore? Okay. We think of Singapore exists maybe forever. But actually Singapore don't exist. It only exists when there's a government, there's a parliament, or there becomes a state that is in Singapore. Okay. But, but right, there isn't any Singapore, it's just a So when things happen, being taken away, then, hey, is there Singapore? I mean, you, you will suffer, uh, you think that this Singapore will exist forever. Okay. Something close to this. Mm. Can you all hear him? Oh, they can't hear you. But those who heard, some of you can hear him, right? What do you all think? Don't don't say correct or wrong. But how do you all feel about that? Does does that help you to have a better appreciation of why uh, that would lead to suffering? I have another example. Okay. It's a, the most easy to understand example for inconstancy is OH aging. The uh -huh. aging process is we don't we don't notice it, but we are slowly getting older day by day, moment by moment. 
Okay. Yeah. So the old age is hovering uh, is understood. Okay. Yeah. Old age itself. Uh, uh, of course, underlying old age is this inconstancy also. Uh, but what do you, what do you think? Would old age be uh, what exactly about old age? Is I, suffering. I wouldn't say old age, I would say the aging process. Ah, the aging from, process. From now, like, yeah, we are changing moment to moment. This ah. like inconstancy. Yeah. Okay. Ah. Yes, because if we were to if we were to say old age, then it will be it will more be about the first and the second kind of suffering. The process of aging. Meaning from even from small kid to how is that suffering? Uh, that describes the third kind of suffering. Yeah. But I want you all to think about, don't, don't just keep looking at her, him and me uh, to give you an answer. Yeah. I want you to think about how that leads to suffering. Yeah. Because it's just like the... How do I put it? Yeah, I realized that over the years, over the years I realized that, yeah, I would... I would vigorously share. Uh, there are some who, oh yeah, never thought about that before. Yeah. There'll be some who, oh yeah, still don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and there'll be some who, what did you talk about? <laughs> yeah. So for the first group, at that moment, it seemed to make sense. And after going back, after a few days, if they do think about it again, they'll be, oh no, I can't remember what you, what, why it makes sense. <laughs> the second group, because at the first place he didn't, they didn't even get it. After a few days, it'll be, he, he will degrade to the, what did he talk about? <laughs> then the, the the last group, because at the moment already don't know what you're talking about. Then when you look at the notes, what is what is the notes talking about? <laughs> So I thought, uh, I think it's crucial to get y'all to go through this contemplative process. <clears throat> yeah. But it's a good question. Yeah, it's a good question. Yeah. And, and that's why I just went through the first two very quickly. Because the first two, first one is very blatant and very apparent. Yeah. Pain. Who don't understand pain? Yeah. Second one, when you lose something, uh, second one, this is a bit of explanation. Yeah, because there's this interesting part where on the surface it's pleasant, but it's the loss of it that is the problem. Yeah. And so, given that, uh, even the second part, the second type of suffering needs a bit of explanation, which is that um, we tend to think of the loss as the problem. Then we think, who made you lose it? We think that that is the problem. Here is saying the pleasant part itself is the problem. Because it is it is a common denominator. It is what got you hooked in the first place. And it's from this pleasantness that gives rise to the the pain of or the suffering of loss. And so it's a very different angle of looking at it. Yeah. Now then the question is number three. 
they want to do the exercise go back and contemplate on it But those are good examples. Yeah. Now the question is, how to how to show that that is suffering? Uh, and even better, uh, point out something in your uh, when examine your life. Yeah. When see whether first of all, is there any anything which falls into this category that is inconstant as I highlighted uh, while this one is neither painful nor pleasant yeah, then we say that this gives rise to the in- suffering of inconstancy but inconstancy actually permits all this yeah. inconstancy permits all these feelings it permits everything oh. so it's not as though oh Suffering of pain, then there's no inconstancy. That is also inconstancy. Suffering of loss, there's also inconstancy. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, because in fact, just now as I was doing the explanation, I kind of give give away the parts already. Yeah. Uh, so, go and do the exercise. Uh, go and work, work, do some mental gymnastics. Why is this a form of suffering? What oh, today? <laughs> Got a cake. <laughs> oh, ah, today got cake. Ah. Oh, no wonder. <laughs> mm. So it sh- shows that my taste buds are working. <laughs> I used to think that when I was much younger, I used to think that cultivation means whatever people give you. You just eat. You don't know the taste. Nice? Okay. Not nice? Okay. Everything? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then over time I realized that no, it's not. Yeah. Uh, if, it's, if it's too lemon, I, a person should, anyone, not just someone who will cultivate, uh, anyone should be able to taste the two lemon. <laughs> If you cannot taste too lemon, it means that something is wrong. Yeah. But whether you are attached to the to the increase or decrease, uh, that is the problem. Yeah, that is the problem. So, back to the text. <coughs> so, uh, da, 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 da. Uh, so these three kinds of suffering. Yeah. So, ku uh, Yeah. So all these three, yeah, can give rise to uh, this. Th- this three can give th- rise to the three suffering, and this suffering. Uh, let's take a look. Ku zi ku ku guo, ku ji zi ku guo. Zemiao. Ah, the zi ji, 
啊，是能生起三苦的因缘，啊，如饥寒、疾病等，啊，就随顺的苦聚，一切有漏法都是，啊 ，this is this is quite brief 啊 ，the way they describe it， yeah， so here， 苦聚即苦果的苦聚，啊啊的资聚 ，so similar to the previous one。Uh, the amenities, rightly speaking, when I mention support, uh, I'm actually translating it already. Yeah, this G is actually amenities. Yeah, so amenities of suffering. What is amenities of suffering? Yeah, so amenities of suffering uh, is uh, the the supporting conditions. Yeah, the resources, supporting resource for the fruit of suffering. Yeah. So, 是能升起三苦的因缘 It is the causes and condition that can give rise to the three suffering. Then it it gives a a list of uh, general uh, some general items. Ru ji han ji bing den. Yeah. So it gives uh, some examples. Yeah. Such as. Uh, hunger, cold, uh, and different kinds of diseases, etc. Yeah, so these are still quite uh, just talking about physical, uh, Yeah. So, but there's a tongue, or etc. Now this tongue is etc. So there are a lot of things. Yeah. So what else? 随顺的苦聚 So there are some other ones which are not directly causing suffering. So those that I highlighted earlier are more the immediate one. If you're hungry, you don't have to interpret you are, you are suffering. Yeah. As to how much you suffer, then it varies. Uh, if you are sick, you are suffering. Yeah. If without medicine, you suffer, uh, and so on. But there are other supporting ones. Uh. So, uh, what are they? Wow. So all the uh, all the all the different things in this world that has outflow, yeah, that is connected to sensual desire, connected to existence, connected to ignorance. Yeah, all this can become the cause of suffering. Yeah, the supporting conditions for suffering. So, 无嗔就是对于苦苦聚不不起嗔恚。So none hatred. Yeah, what is non hatred? Non hatred here the definition is uh, quite uh, going into the principle. So here non hatred uh, is with respect to suffering and uh, support for suffering. Not to give rise to hatred and uh, harmfulness. Uh, hui, hui is harmfulness. So and hence it can uh, it can put an end to uh, evil and wholesome acts. and instead it can uh, give rise to wholesome actions. Yeah. Um, this perhaps it requires some explanation. 
Yeah, because when it go into this principle, then it becomes quite big. Now. It's like, uh, what do you mean by that? Yeah, because already, so here it says, uh, At first place, non-hatred. Yeah. What does it mean by non-hatred? Then it seems to be cyclical. Oh, don't give rise to hatred with respect to suffering. Yeah. But just now we have to go through so much trouble to understand this and the last one you are still trying to understand. So think about it. If you haven't if you have not learned this, you don't even know about this. Then how can you have hatred towards this? How can you have hatred towards something that you don't know about? Yeah, the, the truth is even as we have not learned this, we experienced this before. Yeah. Even a primary school kid can tell you that when you ask them, have you experienced any pain before? Yes. Without learning about it, they have experienced it. When the parents take away their iPhone, yeah, did they attend Abhidhamma class? They never. But they have also experience the suffering due to loss but they don't know that it's suffering due to loss and that's why they are angry with the mother <laughs> they don't realize that their suffering is due to the loss of the pleasantness and the problem is their attachment to the pleasantness if they don't if they are not attached to the pleasantness then there's no suffering <laughs> and it's precisely because they never attend Abhidhamma class so that's why they are angry with the mother <laughs> I for uh, about six months ago, I was here. Uh, there was a Sangha offering. So I draw this diagram. Uh, I mentioned about handphone and mother. Yeah, so I said, uh, I related to them. A diagram that I drew for some kids before. So you think about it. Huh? Uh, so when you have mobile, yeah, then, uh, yes, no. Okay? So, happy, when you have mobile, happy, yes. With mobile, yes. No mobile, no. Yeah. Then I, I ask them before you have a before you know about mobile, were you happy? You are also happy. <laughs> so I ask them. Then over here is their mother. Mother, is there mother here? Yes. Is there mother here? Yes. Is there mother here? Yes. So I told them, nothing to do with your mother, what? <laughs> Why are you angry with your mother? <laughs> Number one. Number two, they only see this. So, oh, the because mother take away mobile. So I said, but if you look at the whole picture, your happiness your happiness is not hinged on mobile also. Right? Yeah. So what's the problem? I told them, nothing wrong with having mobile. 
The problem is how you relate to the mobile. Before you have, don't have, if, before you have a mobile, you're happy with your mother. Have mother happy, yeah. But after you have a mobile, you don't know how to relate to a mobile. So, without a mobile, then you are not happy. And because your mother take away the mobile, you think your mother is not good. You're not happy with mother. So the problem is not the mobile. Many parents have come to see me, asking me to take away the mobile phone, or try to convince the children not to play with mobile phone. So you know what I always tell them in front of the child. In fact, I tell the child, I say, first things first, your parents want Sifu to tell you not to play games. Then the parents, <laughs> beforehand, they, they see me first, you know, they tell me, then they say, hey, don't say me, say one. <laughs> uh, usually they tell me that. But in front of the child, I tell them. Then I also tell the child, Sifu don't agree. Oh, the parents go crazy. Then, usually the child, by by then, uh, by now, the child, wow, I like this sifu. Yeah, very good. Why is it that I say that? If you think about it, if there's something wrong with the mobile, it should be bad, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with the mobile. But you may say, no, it's about playing games. What's wrong with playing games? You mean parents don't play games? You mean adults don't play games? How many of you play games with your handphone? Uh, enough of you. <laughs> now, there are some of you who don't play games with your mobile, but it doesn't mean that those who play games with their mobile is wrong. So far, it's wrong. Uh, yes. Yeah. If you play without control, yeah, without any limits, imagine if you, if as adults, you go to work and you play games at work and don't do your work. See what happened? You get fired. <laughs> you get a warning from HR. HR will call you in. Uh, Mr. Tan, mm. I think we have a problem. Uh, we, have been, we have come to notice that you're quite busy with your handphone. <laughs> yeah. so, <clears throat> so, we should get all our children to attend Abhidharma class. Then they will not be so unhappy. So, but I will still not explain the last one. I want you all to go and do the exercise. So, oh yeah, wait. So, um, with respect to this, uh, when it says, uh, So, when we experience <coughs> these uh, different kinds of suffering, uh, how do we respond? Are we happy? No, we're not happy. Yeah, we're not happy. Because we don't understand the nature of this suffering. Yeah. And in fact, we would often project project the, our, our wrong understanding outwards. And we think that it's because of this that I suffer, because of that that I suffer. We don't understand the nature of our suffering. So as a result, we feel... Uh, maybe a sense of injustice we feel uh, unhappiness and that is directed towards all these things so here it's saying instead of that not to have uh, hatred to have non-hatred but it doesn't directly talk about how not to have it just says oh 
with respect to this, not to give rise to hatred and harmfulness. Yeah, in fact, it's not just these two. Yeah. How many of you have gotten angry uh, or have hatred towards hatred or towards suffering? Yeah. Most of the time, our hatred is towards people, isn't it? Our anger is towards people, isn't it? If, let's say, uh, a very simple example, you're at home or you're in the office and then the door slam. Piam! What do you all do? Or how do you all feel? If you are, let's say, watching TV, then suddenly the door, bam! How do you all feel about it? Do you all feel happy? Yay! Are you all startled? Uh, first thing, you get startled. Second thing, um, after being startled, do you all just continue? Bam! How do y'all, what do y'all do after that? Uh, some of you may find it annoying, isn't it? Yeah? Or at least you'll be like, what happened? Yeah? So, imagine if you're in the office or at home and you're all alone. So there's not supposed to be anybody else. And yet, the sound comes from inside the, the house, not outside. So, You'll be curious, isn't it? How come there's a door slamming? So you go and check, well, the door closed. Then you go inside, oh, the window was open. Yeah. So you you close it. Since maybe it was the wind, you know, so you close it, secure the window, okay. You sat down, and then you watch TV again. A few minutes later, piang! Okay? You already closed all the door. How come come again? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So if there's no one, or you start to feel fear, yeah. Uh, what if there's someone? What if one of your family members is at home? So the first time it pyang, then your family member is actually in, in his his or her room, you know, using a computer or just texting people then with a earphone they came in what happened? Uh, huh? what happened? the door slammed you know oh is it? oh what's the other room? your room ah? not my room <laughs> oh sorry sorry it's my room what if a second time it, the door slammed again then it's that person's room wow you can find someone now wow what happened? we usually get upset over that person, towards that person. Yeah. Yeah. So, while it's not so clear yeah, how it's related, but actually that door slamming, that piang, uh, that is a painful sound, painful feeling. Yeah. From that we get affected, and then we direct towards the cause. What caused it? So although here, the, the ku ji, uh, or and so on. It never talk about human beings and so on. Yeah, but it actually includes anything that can give rise to it. Yeah. And in the, in our day to day case, we always like to find someone to be to put the blame. If you cannot find someone, you either find that no one is to be blamed, or yourself is to be blamed, 
or someone is to be blamed. Any other case? If you can think of other cases, let me know. Huh? So the first case, no one is to be blamed. Win, yeah, a very common case. Yeah. And let's say the father gets upset. How come the door never... Oh, then the mother come out. Oh, no, no, no. Win, the win, the win. Yeah, okay, so job properly. Pyang game. Who this time? Oh, sorry, sorry, me. me. Oh, the wife. So husband loved the wife. So, okay, okay. Then wife go out, left the children. Pyang! Who? Who? If you are if you are at home and it turned out to be the wind, compared to if it's somebody, do you agree that when it's the wind you are not so angry? Yeah. I, I find I've observed this over the years and it's a very strange thing. Yeah. We whenever it's someone we we get more upset. Why you what? It is our wish and expectation that the person could have prevented it. Sometimes maybe the person purposely don't prevent it. And that's the one part, one possibility that we are angry about. Because there are a lot of possibilities. There's a possibility that the person really couldn't have done anything about it. There's a possibility the person could have done something but didn't do something about it. And also the possibility that the person is not even aware of the incident until it happened. So we are usually angry about that one possibility, that one group of possibility that, hey, you could have done something, why didn't you prevent it? But in fact, usually we don't know which possibility. Or <laughs> so this text here doesn't directly tell you how to diffuse it. Yeah, so here I, I'm proposing a, f- uh, a few ways to look at it. To consider that even if it's a person involved, uh, there are a lot, of, a lot of different possibilities, you know. But we, we tend to get angry for that one possibility that the person is at fault. But um, sometimes we don't know also. Yeah? And sometimes... Uh, maybe not we lah. Sometimes we are on the receiving end, and the other person keeps insisting, "No, you know it. You purposely right. I didn't know. You lie. Now, now you, now you are worse. You lie somehow. <laughs> 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 uh, so I, I personally find that if we were to uh, uh, consider more possibilities. Consider more possibilities. Then it helps us to be more understanding. But sometimes, considering possibilities, uh, yeah. So far, so, so far, I find that it helps us to be more understanding. Yeah. But oftentimes, we think that being understanding means that we don't. Uh, there's a difference between not being upset versus not telling people off. Not upset doesn't mean can, cannot tell people off. 
tell people off doesn't mean not upset. Yeah. Some people can be upset but don't tell you off also. And just it's okay, no problem. No problem. Then after you go. <laughs> then that person maybe go back at night. <laughs> yeah, whole night thinking. Until the next day, <laughs> set a trap for you. Yeah. But now now when you think about it, uh, even if someone like that go and set a trap for you, you should have compassion for them. Because they, they they are so upset for so long, you know. Wow, so busy, busy, busy. Yeah, so busy. So Uh, if I can borrow a page from the Buddha's teaching, the Buddha's uh, teaching with regards to this is to overcome uh, hatred, you must cultivate loving kindness. To overcome harmfulness, you must cultivate uh, compassion. Um, so over here, I don't know why they don't highlight it. Yeah. But you notice that most of the text here uh, that this is a sub-commentary. Yeah, the commentary is the one that is highlighted, then the non-highlighted is the sub-commentary. Yeah, it tends to go into the principle. Yeah. So, if we look at other parts of the Buddha's teaching, with respect to these two, yeah, turn and hui, turn and hui, yeah. uh, you actually cultivate uh, loving kindness and uh, compassion. So, once you cultivate loving kindness and compassion, then hatred will not be from, will, will not be present. Then you will have non-hatred. Cultivation of, of loving kindness is uh, for myself. It it has gone through a lot of transformation. Last time I heard my teacher say when he teach Mahana Sangraha, when you listen to the tape, you will find that every after the first one, he, he gave teaching for four times on the same commentary, four times, so it's, it's not short or quite long. So second time, third time, fourth time, each time he said, ah, now I'm relearning this commentary. Whatever I've taught previously, you can throw it away. <laughs> he said, oh, I have a new appreciation. <laughs> yeah, now I can appreciate a bit of what he meant by that. Yeah. When we talk about the four immeasurables, uh, this the two loving kindness and compassion is the first two immeasurable. Yeah. Since the first time I heard about it until now, yeah, my my appreciation of it has gone through a lot of transformation. When we think about, uh, uh, have you all practiced meta meditation? How many of you have done it before? Meta meditation. How many of you have not done it before? Ah, wow. Never done it before. Oh. Yichang never done it before. Eh? Last time SBF meditation class never do it before. But last time no meditation class. Is it? Short one. Short one. So, who, who was the one who teach you? Not me, right? 
who are uh, uh, don't, don't, don't say who don't say who don't say who ah, yeah, but don't say who don't say who okay doesn't matter who so the important thing is that most of the time when you first learn how to do it right then they just say oh radiate meta then sometimes there's a guided one then they'll say okay uh, settle your mind then breathe in breathe out then after that okay uh, start out with yourself yeah then the the instructor will say Make this wish for yourself. Yeah, make this, you know, uh, radiate meta to yourself, wishing for yourself to be well and happy, to be free from anger, to be free from ill, and so and so forth. Huh? So, uh, until today, I haven't heard from anyone uh, clearly saying, "What do you mean by radiate meta?" Uh, different people have given me different explanation. Some say that it is basically feeling goodwill towards others. Yeah. And so it's more describing it as a form of, uh, a kind of positive emotion. Yeah. Uh, whether it's loving kindness or compassion, to feel that towards others. Uh, that's one I under- understanding of to radiate. <coughs> Otherwise, you imagine. Um, then there's the question about oh uh, you must read it to yourself then you read it to others Uh, some of these practices the way it's taught today actually came from some of the later traditions in the (coughs) in the sutta there's actually some teachings that the Buddha gave uh, very clear instructions on how to treat people how to relate to people yeah. and in the Metta Sutta it is very, it's actually a whole series of different in a way, reflection yeah. to consider beings that are far and they are near that are large medium and small in size those that is seen and those that is not seen yeah, to wish for all of them to be well and happy and then to uh, to relate or to treat sentient beings just as a mother treats the only son or only child so imagine how a, how a mother would treat a child of course some of you are mother with children immediately oh yeah but it's a bit of, a bit different eh? because we feel that way only to our child. Now it's to treat everybody like your child. So for the others, you have to try to imagine. So um, <coughs> this the practice of uh, of uh, metta and karuna uh, summarized in these two verses. <coughs> Loving kindness has the quality of extending happiness. Compassion has the quality of removing removing suffering. Yeah. <coughs> so if you consider this these two, anger and harmfulness, yeah, or ill will, yeah, uh, this. These qualities are directly countered by the qualities of loving kindness and compassion. 
together, loving kindness and compassion is uh, is actually goodwill towards others. Yeah, wanting others to be to be good. That means to, to be in a happier state. So it it appears or it manifests differently depending on how that person is. If a person has no happiness and no suffering, then it arises as loving kindness to wish for that person to be to be happy. If that person has suffering, then it arises as the wish to remove that suffering. In the Pali Canon, then is uh, the Buddha used this approach to encompass beings uh, in a certain direction. Yeah. So to divide the whole world into four quadrants, and then basically, okay, just generally, all beings in this direction, all beings in that direction, and all beings in this third quarter, fourth quarter and encompass all beings. Yeah. Um, <clears> That's <throat> one thing I want to highlight. I mean, many things I want to highlight, you know me. <laughs> but it's about familiarity. <clears throat> familiarity. Uh, I, there was once I conducted a meditation class and up to the, I don't know, six or seven lesson out of ten weeks, <coughs> one student stayed back after class. Every every day, uh, every week, students would stay back after class and ask me questions. Then there was one week, one student stayed back, and then she asked me, Shifu, can I ask you a question? I said, yes. How, how to meditate? Huh? Huh? Number six, seven lesson, you asked me how to meditate? Yeah. What to do uh, when we close our eyes? I said, How come you never asked me previously? I said, I see you very busy. I don't dare to ask. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah, so, to, to me, if you want to do any practice, whether it's the, the normal, the, the, the Satipatthana or Anapanasati or anything, you must learn the technique first. Otherwise, you spend hours or days or months, then actually you are doing the wrong thing. Similarly, for for meta uh, meditation, yeah, get the technique correct. And the way I understand it now <coughs> is to have that f- good will towards others, and fami- and then after that, the continual practice is to familiarize yourself with that state of mind. To be able to be familiar with feeling goodwill towards others, compassion towards others. Prerequisite for doing this is to be keenly aware of whether people have happiness or suffering. Uh, if you just Think about that statement I just made. Okay, be keenly aware of people whether people have happiness or suffering. Seems to be quite straightforward. Yeah. But most of the time we only we are aware of this kind of suffering. If someone broke a leg, yeah, suffering. Right? So that's why it's easy for us to have compassion when you see someone fall on the street. 
But if a person is driving a Jaguar, how to how to have compassion for him? <laughs> Unless a person fall out of the Jaguar and then in pain, uh, then we feel compassion. Before the person fall out, open the car door and then trip over. Maybe for some people, someone trip over the, you know, someone open the door of a Jaguar then fall fall out. Compared to someone who fall out of a taxi, yeah. Maybe people have different type of compassion also. Yeah. But if we understand the three kinds of suffering deeply, reflect deeply, then you see the suffering even in those who are who appear to be having fun, who appear to be wow, having a lot of success. Then our compassion is much deeper and more spontaneous. So, uh, the cultivation of loving kindness and compassion is actually in some traditions known as a contemplative samatha meditation. Yeah. Contemplative meditation. Because you, it's actually grounded in wisdom. Not, not a emo emo, oh, I feel so sad, oh, I cry, oh, <laughs> yeah. That, that, if, you, if you can start off with that also not bad like you see wow, the disaster in the world you see bombing then you feel okay yeah. but ultimately this, is, this practice is still grounded in wisdom yeah. wisdom to see these three kinds of suffering <coughs> and then repeated practice until you are so familiar with it familiar in the sense that it becomes second nature. To what degree? Yes, back when I was staying here, there was a student who came and uh, see me for counselling and told me about the the problem with the boss. So she, she told me, wow, I really cannot stand my boss. Yeah. But so, tell me how to practice metta. Then I said, then I look at her. Then she she, actually, I'm very thankful for her because she gave me a, a hint, a, a, a clue, or inspiration. Because without this problem, I would not think of suggesting that. So she said, "Now, it, not to mention C, I just hear his voice. I, why? So I told her, when you practice metta, you must practice to the point where whatever you see, you must be able to." have compassion, have loving kindness. Whatever you hear, to have loving kindness and compassion. So think about it. How to have compassion when someone is bucking orders at you? Or when someone is unreasonable at you? Come, last few minutes. If not, I will give you an answer already. Like, You need to speak louder so that they can hear you. Basically, the boss must have expectation of the subordinate so that they, the, the more they, they cannot get their expectation, they become very angry with you. Uh. But then, in this case, you should feel that uh, actually he is suffering because he could not get what he wants. Uh. And then there is some sort of 
Can you all understand what he just said? Can you all hear at the first place? Can you hear not? Can you all hear behind? Oh, dig your ears a bit. <laughs> uh, need to project your voice. Uh. Yeah. So he was. Huh? I can be better loud. So come you louder loud. Okay. Okay. Uh, that is that uh, the boss is very angry with you because uh, the boss has expectation in, uh, with you. Uh. So the expectation that the boss want cannot be met. So they, they, they become very angry. But then we should have measured such that actually the boss is want you to perform some things so that. Uh, uh, I'll say uh, you'll be better off like actually fact in both women direction. Uh. So but if he's very angry, actually he's we should feel compassion that he's also suffering because of he do not get what he wants. What he wants you to do or what he wants you to perform or something like that. Yes. Look at positive side. Yeah. How is this different from what he just described? How is this more positive? In the sense that if you normally if you turn your mind into a positive, you will look more clearer into the Yeah, yeah. But, but what, what I'm trying to say, at first when you said, look at the positive side, I thought you were going to talk about something else. But what you described seemed to be similar to what he just said. Yeah, so I'm trying to understand how is this more positive? Why do you? Uh, uh, okay. Okay. I'm just thinking out loud. Uh. Would this be more like uh, seeing the bigger picture than seeing looking at things positively? I, I mean, the way you describe, I agree to look at the the background causes. Uh, so number one, it seems more to me as help you know to look at the situation in a more comprehensive an objective manner. Uh, I'm not so sure how it is more positive. Yeah, but uh, it can help us to be more understanding. So the second part I want to comment about 
that is how does that help us to be more compassionate Uh, true yes. understanding, is it? Yes, understanding why? If you want to understand the suffering that you have, mm. normally you are more compassionate. Can be more compassionate. Ah, okay, good. So, one and... See whether he has heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> 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 okay. Lovely, you can Okay. So generally speaking, from the thank you very much, uh, KS and what's your name? I can't remember. Go. Go. Uh, okay. So thanks to KS and Go. Go. Uh, the. So the, the a few things I want to highlight, which is that when someone is is shouting at you or uh, appear very aggressive and so on, uh, <clears throat> at that moment, not so easy for us to have compassion. After that, uh, when we think about all those things, uh, we can understand. So the, the, the tricky part is how to tune ourselves to be ready to see it the way it was described. Like what Kaya said, uh, the person is angry. Yeah. At the first place, let me ask you a question. When you're in a good mood, you wake up, everything is okay, your boss praises you, you have bonus, your children got you know, into a good school, everything is going well. Would you being happy and all, go ahead and scream and shout at people. When is the last time, okay, maybe not, some of you never scream and shout at people, but the last time when you raise your voice at someone, yeah, were you happy? Yeah. Usually, it is arising from unhappiness. And many times, by the time we raise our voice or in the case of well, really scream and shout, we have been unhappy for a while. So, if we were to, before you encounter something, reflect more on that. Yeah. Uh, so, without going into the specifics of why the boss do this and that, yeah, that is helpful also. Yeah. So, one approach is to always reflect on the bigger picture. Yeah. And then to consider all the conditions of the bosses and so on. That is to help us to have more understanding and maybe can have compassion. But another approach directly to cut into the to what you are f- facing, which is the angry face, is to consider anger itself is suffering. That the moment the person is screaming and shouting at you, the person has been suffering for a while already. Yeah? We don't need to go and think about it. We, we, we ourselves experienced it before. And that's why whenever anger arises, uh, initially we want to just remove it. Yeah? But at a later stage, we should examine anger. We should see it clearly as it is. And see that anger really harms us. When you truly see that anger harms yourself, when you truly see that jealousy harms yourself, when you see that attachment harms yourself, and so on. 
then when can you see that oh that person is suffering uh, then you really feel that person suffering when the person is shouting at you yeah, then, then when people are abusive towards you at that moment you have compassion towards them directly because you see that that, that is suffering but it may not work for you uh, because this is my understanding <laughs> That's why, that's why as long as you, you for something that is pleasant that you are greedy towards if you haven't overcome hard for us to have compassion yeah. hard for us Is the no state of inconstancy? State of inconstancy that underlies all this. So aging from child to adult to old age, underlying all this is the inconstancy. Yeah, but for aging itself, uh, or for someone who is aged, uh, they experience painful uh, suffering and the loss of uh, youth as well. Yeah. But underlying that is also inconstancy. Yeah. I, I think that's that's what you were referring to. Is is that what you were referring to? Underlying state. Mm. Just now when I mentioned the underlying I'm usually referring to the underlying inconstancy, the state of inconstancy. So I, I believe that should be what he's talking about. Or what I was talking about. Yes. Yeah, this is one inconstancy. That we are oblivious and unaware of the neither painful nor pleasant. Yeah, because it doesn't draw our attention. So we are unaware of it. And being unaware of it, we are oblivious. And so even though it's inconstant, we are not aware. We are not aware of it. From this inconstancy, uh, give you all a tip or something to chew on that will help you to reflect on this part here. When you are not aware of this inconstancy, mm, what is the what proceeds from there? Yeah, what proceeds from there? Uh, don't give the answer first, okay? Go back and think about it. The fact that it's inconstant is always changing. It depends on condition, but we are not aware of it. Hmm. Not being aware of it, what is the outcome? Yeah, what is the outcome with regards to our our notion of it? Yeah, our perception of it. Oh, go back and think about it. Okay, yeah. we are palms together. 愿消三障出烦恼
，愿得智慧真明了，普愿罪障悉消除。世世常行菩萨道，阿弥陀佛，起立